Special thank you to Seed and Stone Cidery and Lucky Buzz Meadery for sponsoring the show today. Uh, they help to make this show possible and supply us with uh, the occasional beverage when we're out there. They've got 10 uh, taps full of meads and ciders made right there in-house. They've also got all sorts of awesome events going on, including an open mic uh, almost every single Thursday where you can come out and show your musical talent. So all you songwriters out there, uh, stop out and grab a cider or a mead and tell them that the songwriters couch and the Patrick Joan band sent you again, seen in stone cidery right here in Rochester, New York, go out and visit them and let them know we sent you. Thanks guys. Sorry, Ben. I, yeah, I, I messed up that five chord. <laughs> I messed right. up that five chord. That's all right. That's all right. You got a, got one of those um, uh, the bottle bottleneck uh, slides at home or no? Well, this is no. I, well, this is actually a wine bottle top. Oh, is it? It is. Yeah. Did you but, cut it yourself or no? It was... No, a buddy of mine in Memphis actually oh, right cuts them. Oh, Memphis sends them to me every Memphis. once in a while. Yeah. So we'll start out the episode before we get into who this guy is that's sitting over here. Uh, in about thirty seconds, we'll we'll do that. But before we get started, I want to talk really quickly. We're on episode five of the podcast, and we've got David Miller here on the podcast. But before we uh, we get into you, David, we're going to talk about our sponsors. Um, Lucky Buzz, which camera are we at? The main one there. Luck, Lucky Buzz. Uh, Meadery, and we're actually drinking a couple of uh, things here. You've got the orange creamsicle, I think it is, and I've got the Beats, uh, what is it called? Beat, beats something or other? Beat, beats Me. That's probably what it is, yeah. Beats Me uh, over here. So thank you to our sponsors, uh, Lucky Buzz, and, and they're also Seed and Stone Cidery, so they make ciders too. Um, delicious, and um, go out there, check them out. Um, I don't believe you can order them online, but um, hopefully that'll be coming soon. And uh, on the show today... Episode five, we've got David Miller, um, blues aficionado, uh, legend, local legend, and and, <laughs> and musician <laughs> coming coming straight from a, a show last night um, to uh, the songwriters' couch. So thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, I appreciate the invite. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Um, so, what do you think about the cider over there? Any good? Oh, it's, it's delicious. Not, yeah, it's kind of drier than you would think. I would think with like beets, it would be sweeter, but um, but delicious. The, yeah, this is this is. Sweet enough for me. Um, so you have a single out, right? I have an album out. An album out. Uh, the so last album. Well, we've got four albums out, but uh, the last album is called Rise. Okay. And that was kind of, um, you know, it was the smartest thing that I could do uh, to release that right in the middle of COVID. <laughs> right. Are you saying that sarcastically or are you Abs- saying that? Absolutely. Way? All right. <laughs> 100%. But uh, 
you know, that was just the timing of everything and, and kind of what we ended up having to do. Did you record it during quarantine? No, or it was... no we recorded it before and, uh, and just, you know, kind of getting ready for putting out there all the promo and stuff. And, and of course, we had stuff planned and then... yeah. Yeah, the unplanned happened. happened. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to us, too. We had a, a whole album kind of semi in the works and whatever. And it was actually kind of cool because during it, we ended up doing a lot of remote stuff, which we didn't do before that. You know, so we were okay. sending stuff back and forth and recording like in our own houses and yeah. then sending it off to the master or to mastering and, and mixing and all that sort of thing. So, so did you record it like initially in a studio or what uh, was the. Yeah, Rise, um, we mostly recorded. In two spots. At the time, I was part owner of a place called the DHU Strand Theater in North Tonawanda, uh, huh. New York, which was kind of like an old Nickelodeon movie theater that had been a lot of different things over the years, had been gutted and you know remodeled many times. But we made it into a little um, rehearsal hall stage, a private venue kind huh. of place, um, speakeasy kind yeah. of vibe, right? And uh, so I tracked a little bit of my Poison Sipped record there and then tracked a little bit of uh, the Rise record there. But also uh, worked with my buddy out here, uh, Brian Moore, who used to run. Oh, Brian. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's who. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my f the first album that we did during uh, uh, COVID, Mask, was Brian Moore. Oh. Did most of the mixing uh, and mastering. On hey, that. Listen, man, he is the dude. Yeah. And to this day, like we're working on another record right now. That His I'm, prices are showing that nowadays. Though. Oh well, he's <laughs> yeah, he's and, so and that new studio that he's got is yeah, just yeah. amazing. We just tracked some. We'll choir. give him a shout out. What's what's the name of it again? It's Tone Studios. I yeah, think it Tone is, right? Studios. Yeah, um, right here in Rochester, New yeah. York. So yeah, it's pretty pretty great studio. Oh, it's yeah. it's absolutely yeah. We just tracked some uh, for the this new record. We just tracked some uh, choir. Huh. Stuff there. Oh, that's cool. Um, but um, uh, take note, uh, he has access to a choir, uh, so I need, I'm going to need that for the next <laughs> next record. I'll be hitting you up, gotcha. David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, Brian was great. So I mean, he ended up mixing and mastering uh, my first and my third album, hmm. uh, or excuse me, did I say that right? First and fourth. Well, he actually mixed the live album too. We did a live album. Oh, really? Yeah, he he's great. At, he's great at like the live sound. I know he's done some stuff for like uh, Joy Wave on when they were on uh, mm -hmm. Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, every mix I've ever gotten back from him or Master, it's like it's it, magic what he does. Yep, and I'd send him mixes right now because I'm trying to do everything myself for this new record, and I'm yeah, sending him stuff, that. and he's like. Yeah, man, I think, you know, you got to bring 80 hertz down a little bit on this and, and bump, you know, 450K up on this a little bit. And then, hey, can you, you got, maybe tighten that compressor on the snare just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just hears that, like, immediately. Yeah. His yeah, ears are so amazing. But, it, and a wonderful human. He's yeah, great. yeah, he's so, so calm, too. I remember going into the studio, and this was way, maybe like two years, because I tracked the guitar and the vocals for that album, um, like, two years before. And I planned the album out and all this stuff. Um, and then finally, when this iteration of my band was together, we, we finished it. Um, but I remember him coming in, and after every take, him taking my guitar for me and tuning it for me um, to make sure it's at, like up to his standard of being tuned. His ears, you know man. what I mean. His ears are, yeah, it's are pretty, right on. Pretty unbelievable. Right so you're working on a new album now too. Yeah, working on a new. Is album. this we breaking? Just, are we breaking the news that? Well, we haven't. I mean, we've talked about it at like our gigs and stuff. I haven't in a little bit online, but we haven't really started the big hype yet. Um, but we've got 14 tunes in the can. We're probably going to put wow. nine, uh, eight or nine on the vinyl. And then we'll release a few other ones uh, with the digital copies. But um, we tracked it all uh, soup to nuts 
in uh, in my house in our house studio, kind of like you know, yeah, mine's yeah. not as fancy, but <laughs> uh, and um, and actually one tune we actually are not going to put on the record, but we're going to release separately was a tune that I wrote to honor Derek Campbell of the Campbell Brothers, who helped me with my first record. So I, huh. I really recorded that first record with the Campbell Brothers quite a bit. Huh. Uh, the rhythm section, Carlton and Derek, and then uh, Chuck and Derek, not Derek Bennett, the bass player, but Derek Campbell uh, played lap steel and pedal steel. And awesome. um, and Derek, you know, Pat, we lost him uh, during COVID. And I wrote a song called Teach Me to Slide. I even got Sonny Landreth to play on it. Oh. Uh, and Derek's understudy, Terrell King on it. We've, you know, we've got the choir on that one too. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm excited to hear it now. Yeah, yeah, that's... It's, it's pretty, a good tease. It's epic. It's epic. When it, when do you think that'll be uh, ready to well, be put out? Um, I'm we're trying to finish up some stuff. I'm hoping to get it out by Christmas. Uh, that's the goal at this point. Are you gonna put a Christmas song on there too? No, heck no. <laughs> no. Jingle bells? No, no, no. <laughs> it's I'm a blue, not that it's guy. a bluesy Christmas. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm excited to hear. It. So, is this your first time like getting a getting a choir in there and that sort of thing? Well, like I mean, we no, we did that on. Um, well, I had some of the same gals participate uh, on on Poison Sip, the first record. But then, you know, we we literally did have a choir, a bigger choir on uh, um, Sometimes You're Down. Hmm. And what was the, on, on Rise, on the record Rise. Yeah. Sometimes You're Down and maybe Rise, too. How uh, many how many people were in the choir on that? Uh, that was like maybe a 12-person choir, you know, and then we just how, doubled it up, so tripled did it you, up. So did you write the arrangement for it, or was it something um, that they helped kind of come up with? No, I pretty on. much had the ideas of what I wanted, but, um, but I worked with... Uh, you know that particular team, and then we, you know, we just kind of modded it. Uh, uh, Serena Young, uh, Rena Williams, she goes by a couple of different names, but Rena, she's um, just an amazing gospel singer out here, and she's uh, was in BET Sunday Best. She made it in the top ten. Oh, wow. You know, she's incredible, and she kind of helped put it together. And she's just got a great ear for harmonies. So if I say, well, I want a line that's kind of like. You know, yeah, and she's like, yeah, and that's what just, would worry me about having a, a whole choir in there trying to direct everyone. Oh, like, well, and then I had Rufus McGee, so I don't know if oh, you remember no Rufus McGee yeah. Jr. He he actually played, um, I think some on the first on my first Poison Sip record, he played some organ, um, <laughs> but he he helped actually direct. So we just kind of worked together. I came with the ideas, and then. Uh, they, made, they made it happen. Did you write it, like write most of the stuff in the studio, or was most of the songs already kind of... Yeah, the songs were pretty much done. I didn't really write anything in the studio. And um, with this newest record, because the core of my band is kind of... We've been together for four and a half years, but the way the albums came out, um, Steve, my keyboard player, was on them, but my drummer, Isaiah, wasn't, because I'd worked with the Campbells, and I'd worked with a couple other you know drummers um, previously. So... Um, so we wanted this to be us, hmm. not just me. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so when we were in the studio, I brought the ideas, but then we kind of arranged them together. And there's definitely parts on some of the songs that, like Steve wrote the bridge for, or nice. you know, we worked out the percussion tracks. You know, and Isaiah came up with the percussion arrangements and stuff. So it always yeah. comes out so much more like dynamic when oh, you got when absolutely. you got everyone's input in there. Do you absolutely. primarily? I mean, it's called uh, the name of your band is Miller and the Other Sinners. Yeah, Miller. So you're you're kind of the primary songwriter, I would imagine, yeah. for the most part. I have yeah. been anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I still think that's probably the way it'll always be. But that being said, doing this album the way we did it, we kind of found 
a flow in the studio that works for us and how we can get together and, you know, I've got the gear in there. We can just sit down and start working. You know, it's not set up for how? recording other people. It's yeah. just for us, you yeah. know. And uh, so I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the next record because that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to come in and, and just write some stuff spontaneously together. We did write a huh. tune called Southern Soul for the, this next record that we wrote together and that... Um, you know, that's like our first collaborative, full collab song. Yeah. You know? So I definitely want to get into kind of the process of what, you yeah. know, how you write and all that kind of thing. But before I do that, I want to, I want to clear the air on something, David. Okay. So we had Let's an inter, you and I had an interaction probably, how long ago was this? Maybe seven or eight years ago when I owned Muller's Cider House still on university. Okay. And at the time I was throwing, I had only done it, I think I had only done this festival twice. Before, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So I had thrown a, a music and arts festival on University Avenue, um, and you had asked to be like, oh, you, you know, I'm in a band, and you had, you had reached out to see if uh, uh, you can do it. And I, I turned you down, the reason being because I had no money for the festival to, oh. <laughs> to pay anyone. So I needed all favors. So, uh, so I ended understood. up getting a friend of mine who was in a, in a band at the time that was doing a lot of covers and that sort of thing. So cool. he ended up coming in and helping me out for that. Cool. But that's the only reason I turned you down. Hey, not, not because uh, you weren't phenomenal oh. i felt i couldn't pay you to compensate you for the talent that you have and so Listen, man, um, i you, needed to rely on friends for that you, that thing as i was trying to get it off. first of all i don't even remember it <laughs> i was afraid so, you were going to come in and be like this this fucking asshole no 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 show no after I, turning me down I, for I, I first first of all i don't even remember it but even <laughs> if even if i did the, you know when you've been in this business long enough i mean you, you gotta you gotta get a thick skin to stuff and you gotta know that you don't fit everywhere, yeah. and it and it's not because you're not good or what you do is invaluable. It just doesn't necessarily fit that venue. It doesn't necessarily fit that vibe for that event, or, or whatever it is. And uh, I learned a lot a long time ago not to take that stuff personally. I mean, you know, every once in a while, where you really think you do fit in, and you're like, "Come on, man! Yeah, yeah. come on, man! Yeah. You know, this like, is um, uh, being uh, you know, this for... is." There, but I mean, you know, there's always um, there's always those you know people have friends or they have you know ne you know they've they've been in the same circles oh, yeah. or whatever. So sometimes those get, those people get picked. Yeah, a hundred percent, especially in the the booking world and all that. It's who you know and oh, and yeah. uh, you know if you've played places. That's how I'm always a big fan of kind of if I haven't played a place before. I'll do it. Sometimes I'll do it pro bono. I'll be like, All right, I'll do it free. We'll see how this goes. And then sure. when I rock and melt faces uh, in the audience, then I come back and you, you can pay me and, and, and the band oh, yeah. and all that no. stuff. You, you have to earn, um, well, especially when you get touring, because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, you play around, you know, central New York and you kind of get a name for yourself or yeah. you know, in my case, you know, I'm from Buffalo. So, you know, Western New York. And, uh, and then you go to, you know, Columbus. Yeah. As a matter what? of fact, Columbus, who, Ohio. Who are you? I'm going to actually be there tomorrow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I just went to the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time, too. Like, what was I it, three, three weeks ago? Okay. Two weeks. It's cool, I guess. No. What was what was my favorite, actually? Because I grew up in New York City, um, and I've played in, in like, the, the CBGBs, like, the <laughs> gallery next door, and then my, my older brother played in CBGBs and stuff. And so the uh, awning, like, the old raggedy old awning is mm. in that the Rock and Roll, Roll Hall of Fame thing. now. Oh, I was like, cool. oh, I saw that thing so many times, like, you know, after a few, uh, my, my parents watching? Can you tell if my parents? Um, after a few beers and, and whatever, when I was yeah. younger, you know, and then just to see it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I was like, oh, shit, that's, it, like, uh, that, that was one of the cooler uh, things in there. I don't know, some of it's, 
you know, there's some equipment in there from from the big bands and all that stuff. But yeah. I'm not into the whole like you know these people are bigger than you know except for the obviously the music stuff is is amazing. Yeah. Um, and to see some of the history. Um, so touring though, yeah, that's that's actually one of the reasons primarily I wanted to bring you on because you're yeah. one of the first um, people on the show that that does a lot of tours. Um, and I found touring to be an interesting animal. Oh gosh. Um, and I think we're probably yes. similar maybe in age or at least closer in age than, than some of the guests I've had. Oh no, I guess, I guess Sean was, was 40, was he 42? Something like that. So you're probably closer to my age than, than, uh, I'm 43 now this year. If, well, if that, I got 10 years on you, brother. All right. So how long have you been doing the touring and the, the, the like, I mean, has that been since you've been a, you know, a wee little... No, no, I I didn't even start my music career really full time until I was in my 40s. That was, Hmm. you know, like my first record and that whole um, push uh, was in 2014 with the album Poison Sipped. And I'd started playing out a little bit before that, but not much. I was playing in a band in Buffalo called Dive House Union. And and we were kind of, you know, we wrote a bunch of original stuff, but we kind of a jammy kind of funky blues rock band. And... um, and we were a democracy, but I had all these songs that I wanted to record and, um, and never just had the, uh, belief in myself, I guess, to, to really do it. And, uh, that changed. And, uh, well, what, what changed that? Uh, if I may ask. Oh, near tragedy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, (laughs) uh, yeah. You know, just going through, uh, uh, the most, uh, deconstructing, uh, part of my life of who I was, uh, what I was about, you know, uh, my wife and I going through some stuff and uh, and coming out the other side of it. And, and I, the know, album... I know nothing about that, David. I know nothing about <laughs> chaos and, oh, and all that stuff and, yeah. and uh, finding yourself again. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's ultimately, you know, I think that's that's the the greatest journey any any human can go through because, you know, all of us go through stuff as we're growing up. We, we adopt ways of thinking about ourselves and the world and some of it's good and some of it's not. Some of that not so good stuff, uh, continues to plague us as adults. And, uh, you know, we probably know some fellow musicians that are amazing people, but are, uh, leading incredibly self-destructive lives and they don't necessarily know why. <clears throat> and some of that is just, uh, that, that part of the journey that, you know, they don't have to go through, but you kind of, you know, it would be wonderful if they could yeah. um, and confront some of that stuff. And because the talent doesn't go away, you know, that's still all that stuff is still there to help motivate you. But then you can you can handle some of the uh, the other stuff better, you know. So what what led you to, I guess, so so you left that band, I'd yeah. assume, right? And well, then started doing your own I started, project or was it? I started doing my own project. And uh, part of the reason is I really wanted to go full time. I wanted to mm-hmm. put a lot of stuff out there. That band was kind of, you know, guys had jobs. You know, we couldn't really do much, but mm-hmm. weekend warrior stuff. And I wanted that to be sounds, able to. That sounds like me like a few years ago, too. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I just, uh, and then, you know, uh, that band began, you know, it had a few issues. I mean, they were great guys. I'm still friends with them all. Yeah. Uh, but we had lost a guitarist like the year before, and he was a major force in the band. And and then, uh, you know, with me doing the solo thing, you know, it just didn't vibe with, a, you know, at least one of the other players too well. And so, um, you know, that just kind of dissipated. Um, but oh, they, when didn't, I, they didn't like that. He didn't like that you were doing the. Yeah, I didn't really like the, that I was doing the solo thing. I mean, he's all for it now, but at the time he wasn't. And um, 
but what ended up happening is I did this record, and I figured I'd just be playing it out. I did uh, the Poison Sip record, and uh, I had this producer um, who uh, uh, you know was supposed to do the record, and he couldn't. And um, and then this other producer uh, stepped up, and uh, he introduced me to the Campbell Brothers. And he said, this is the rhythm section you need for this record. And I was uh, blown away when I met him. And we literally tracked like 10, 11 songs in one day in the Strand Theater. Uh, Derek Bennett, Carlton Campbell, and myself, uh, them hearing some of the songs for the first time. And it just was magic. And when we got done with the record, uh, Carlton was like, you, you need to do something with this. You need to get this out there. And we got a radio promoter, hired a radio promoter, went out got airplay in uh, 33 countries, hundreds and hundreds of radio stations, reviews and magazines all over the place. And it was like, I, people dig this. There's yeah. something here, you know? Yeah, I mean, that 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 blues sound that you got is really like, especially on the, the Rise album, I, li- I listened to a bunch of the songs off there and some of your live uh, performances. I don't know if that was from from that album, but um, that, that when someone uh, plays blues or just just even just rock and roll music that really uh, is honest um i don't think that ever gets old like you see mm. even young kids playing you know some blues stuff nowadays and and when yeah. when they're really you could tell they're they could feel the the blues you know yeah um yeah. Uh, i don't think that that'll ever get you know ever get old um and i mm. think your your take on it too is is a fresh a fresh take on it i feel like um like I'm, I'm listening to, um, like it's obviously it's got the blues stuff in there, but you've got oh, like you were talking about before the gospel stuff funk, in there, which yeah. is amazing, yeah. and and yeah, some funk stuff in oh, there, sure. and what have you. Yeah. So yeah, we call it. We kind of have settled on Southern soul as the style of music. Yeah, I can just, see that. Yeah. It's a, it's so heavily influenced by Memphis, which in and of itself is heavily influenced by blues, um, you know, country blues country gospel you know that whole americana vibe is just resonates heavily in memphis and then of course blues rockers come out of there too you know because yeah. at the core of all that stuff is you, you know it's you know it's funny about have you so i'm guessing you've been down on beale street I have and hung out performed, there yeah. it's such a weird place to be sometimes because you walk down that street and for those those people that don't know in in, in memphis um if you've been to nashville you know broadway so there's mm-hmm. there's this big row uh, or street where there's a bunch of streets and and you know there's music venues, there's three floors of everything. When you go to Memphis and you go to Beale Street, it's it's a very similar uh, scenario where there's all these uh, you know music venues down this down this street. But then the second floors of the building, a lot of them are just the front facade of it. Right. So it's like fake buildings. You know right. what I mean? Like like when when you watch the Elvis. Uh, and did you see the Elvis? Mm-hmm. What is that called? Biopic or something? Right. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Biopic. He's, in, he's on the second floor. Yeah, he's in the, hanging out of there. And I just yeah. imagine them filming <clears throat> that. Um, it must have been so much easier because they could get all the camera equipment like behind oh, him right. and light him properly. Right, right, right. There's no actual room behind it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I kept Some looking up spots. like, oh, man, it's so weird that they leave the front front facade like there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what, what gave you those influences? I mean, did that come from? That came from gospel. Um, you know, that I grew up uh, in a very... Uh, you know, kind of strict Christian evangelical home. And uh, half of my family was Pentecostal and the other half was kind of more conservative, you know, Wesleyan Methodist. Um, 
But, you know, listening to gospel music and harmonies, um, definitely on the Pentecostal side, I got introduced to a lot of black gospel music. And a lot of the hymns and things that we did were more spiritual, uh, more spirituals than yeah. hymns. And uh, But even song structure and choruses, all that stuff, you know, kind of influences you in terms of songwriting. Um, but that that's really what kind of... Um, you know that's that's the part that always resonated with me most. And now, listen, I've I had a you know kind of a prog rock band in college. You know, <laughs> I've written just about everything. Um, but what always resonated me with me the most was kind of a, a more of a soul sound. But I never felt um, comfortable doing that. I always kind of uh, that was one of those things that you approach kind of reverently because you know I don't want to appropriate. Yeah. Um, but these are still things. You know, this is a style of music that still speaks to me, and and uh, how I how I feel it, um, and and actually that's part of the reason why I didn't really go down that path. I mean, besides having a family and feeling like I needed to make try to make money and and all these other things that you get in your head, uh, which were more or less just excuses for not you know doing what was you know the music that was running through me all the time, but. Um, but yeah, Poison Sip changed that. I mean, it did that record and um, and then started touring. So you started touring. So what was, because I know there's probably some people listening that or watching um, that have never done a tour before. And that first, you know, doing a tour mm. for the first time can be uh, daunting. And I would assume, oh, yeah. I don't know if you had a, did you have a booking agent for it? Or you kind of just booked it yourself? Um, you know, I had connections. So there was a guy out in the Southwest that I had been introduced to who, uh, you know, could line me up with a few gigs. And so originally it was going to be a lot of gigs. It ended up being a few gigs. Yeah. And so I ended up having a lot of fill a lot of holes. Um, what Were you headlining the tour or were mm. you supporting anyone on? Uh, any well, we did a little bit of both. So um, our very first show was supporting uh, Shamika Copeland in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, in a great room. And um, you know, that was the first, and then the van broke down literally driving to the next gig from, yeah. you know, from there to, uh, somewhere in Kansas <laughs> and we, Lawrence, Kansas, and we ended up breaking down in Nebraska somewhere, you know, uh, how did and, that go for you? Oh, well, you know, as well as you can imagine, <laughs> um, you know, you know, so excited about this, you know, this was like a five week tour that yeah. we didn't plan. I'd, you know, and it's not just, uh, it's not just finding shows. It's also, you know, great musicians that you can bring that can take that time and, um, yeah. you know, off of their schedules, um, you know, making now, enough money for it to be worth their while. Yeah. Was that your, your full-time band or was that like guns for hire kind of thing? Uh, it was kind of guns for hire. I didn't really, I mean, Miller and the other sinners, I think because I saw the lay of the land, I was setting myself up to have to use a, a variety of different players because I just knew it wasn't going to. Yeah. wasn't going to work. Um, um, the first bass player that I had with me that had we were prepping for the tour was Zuri Appleby, who is now um, uh, uh, yeah Lizzo's. She's oh, really? Lizzo's bass player now. Huh. Yeah. And, um, and she got a call for Nick Jonas when we were on a run. <laughs> and to go play for Nick Jonas, and so did she, they, she was did, out to L.A. Did she leave? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I mean, there's. I mean, she had to. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. I, I, yeah, like, I no, would have. We're never, gonna play for ten people yeah, in a bar no, no, in Des Moines, no. Iowa. You gotta stay here and not. <laughs> not that, not it, that yeah. I could have gotten in it, her way, but I, yeah. I, I desperately <laughs> wanted her to to have all of that and more. You know, because she's yeah. Zuri, yeah, yeah. Zuri Appleby. She's unbelievable. Look her up. She's an amazing, amazing talent. Um, 
So I immediately had to find another bass player, uh, the original drummer that I While you were on the road? No, 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 no. This was all before the tour, prepping for the tour. And we were doing some small runs, but we, you know, like weekend runs, but, you know, this big five-week thing that we were getting ready for. And and I also had to find a different drummer because the drummer that I thought could do the five-week couldn't. So uh, she led me to a drummer, and then when she had to back out, I had to find a bass player. I found an amazing bass player, but um, at the time was only could take a, a semester off of school. Huh. So came out on the road and you know did a few months with us between that tour and a few other runs, and that was all all I could do. So I kind of set myself up for that. I hated it because I really wanted a team. I wanted guys that we could play together long enough to really vibe. Um, I had an incredible saxophone player who was really with me for the first uh, two and a half years heavy, Jay Moynihan. As a matter of fact, he was just jamming with us. He was filling in last night. Jay was Buddy Guy's sax player for nine years. Incredible mm-hmm. Hendrix on a saxophone, incredible guitar player. Jay Moynihan actually sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's the real deal. Huh. Um, and... Um, and he came out for a few years, but then you know things changed in his life too. And that he'd done all that touring, you know, and and uh, you know he had a, a wonderful family that he could be, a, you know, enjoying yeah. and not running around with me trying yeah, to break yeah. another act. <laughs> and uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, th- it's just what happens. And uh, uh, but I, fortunately, I ran into the cats that I have now, and uh, Isaiah Griffin on drums and Steve Davis on keys and key bass. Uh, they've been with me for four and a half years now. Um, I mean, our the core is tight, and then we've got um, you know a, a pretty tight horn section. And this horn section's been together since the first year. The saxophone player's been with me longer. Uh, the trumpet player's on my records, and he's subbed in, but now he's become and he's from Fairport actually, huh. um, like a Paul permanent. Gaspar, and yeah, so he's he's the permanent guy now, and uh, yeah, and we've, now it's a unit. We've talked about the last episode we did with uh, Jasic, uh, Jasic Wade. Uh, it's actually going to be out tomorrow when this airs. It would have been last Monday, I guess, um, that it airs. But um, uh, they were talking about. Uh, uh, trying to keep a band together oh yeah and how difficult that Super was difficult. and i was, i was you know i was like hey i feel i feel your pain yeah, right right <laughs> i've been there yeah. you know because everyone's got their own lives going on and everyone's got different you know uh different kind of trajectories or goals mm-hmm. or what they want to do with music and and just what they want to do with their lives and sometimes it's a hobby for some people mm-hmm. um and it's it's something where you know, if you want to make it a, a permanent thing in your life or, or what's making the money in your life or what's, I guess, your your job, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's a whole different thing than, oh, we're just going to play a couple of gigs in Rochester every month and, right. you know, and just hang out or right. just in your local city and whatever. That's very different than I'm going to go on tour for five weeks or a month or, or a couple of months or in in uh, Metallica's time frame, five years or whatever the hell their, their tour was. Just two years, I think it was. Yeah, it was that crazy shit. Yeah. Um, and travel with like 16, you know, uh, semi trucks or whatever. Um, so I'm guessing you learned a lot of lessons though from that, oh, it's that first tour, right? Oh, for sure. And, uh, you and know, I'll say one thing too. I think it probably took you up until, uh, that time to get the, the blues fully ingrained in you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because well. I think probably if you, if you had come out with that before that, you probably wouldn't have had the experiences that led you to make that album. Uh, as good as it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I feel like, I don't know, I don't know if I ever going to get the blues completely ingrained in me. I mean, it's, you know, you live it. It's just yeah. life. You know, uh, Lightning Hopkins is, the, you know, the blues is just your truth, right? Well, that doesn't stop. 
until <laughs> you right. you stop. Right. Until you life know. is suffering, never <laughs> ending suffering and pain. Welcome to nihilism yes. one hundred and one. <laughs> this is the new nihilist no, but it, podcast. It, it, <laughs> it breeds such like great deep. Uh, music, though, I think every every musician or songwriter in, in particular um, is kind of tortured in some way emotionally, or, or you know, I, or just you know, I talked about on the the I think the last episode or the one before, like shaking your fist at at God, almost like for for you know, what the hell are you doing, to us down, oh, down here? And music is a way of like singing about that, you know, it's absolutely it's, it like frees you of of uh, the emotional burden of it. It gets it into into a song that other people can sing. Well, it's, you know, there's different ways to work your shit out. And for uh, any artist, whether it's visual arts or, you know, whatever your medium is for us as musicians, um, it's, it's through, you know, these chords that we play and these notes we sing, these words we write. And, uh, and that's kind of our therapy, you know, it's a way to kind of exercise that demon, you know, if you would and get it, get it out, out of your lungs. So, I guess we can kind of transition. I know I was gonna I was gonna ask you about the lessons first about about touring because yeah. I know a lot of young young musicians that are gonna do their first tour. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, some of it's basics. I mean, you you gotta you gotta figure out how to budget some stuff uh, because, and you gotta plan for the worst. And uh, the best advice, uh, the first piece of real great advice that I got was from a blues artist by the name of Johnny James who used to tour all over the U.S. And uh, Johnny goes. I asked him, I said, you know, what's what's your greatest piece of advice you can give me? And he goes, check your oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, yeah, that's probably pretty bad. So, Tire pressure. You know, right? all Make that sure. stuff, right? That's what's all implied in uh-huh. that is, is just, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, there, there's certainly. Make you know, sure you have your guitar in the car. Uh, when the the gig is like five oh, hours away, yeah, yeah, um, stuff like that. Ellie's laughing. I once I drove like it was like two hours away and drove and every, all yeah. the way. Had everything else packed in the car because I was bringing the PA and all that. Yeah. Forgot to put my guitar. In yeah, the I think I did that once. Luckily, someone had a guitar, uh, or their dad had a guitar or whatever, yeah. and, and brought it to us. Yeah. So yeah, check your oil, huh? Those oh yeah, little things. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you you have to recognize that um, you know these folks. I mean, you might have some amazing experiences, uh, but if you're going to places where you've never played, um, they don't know who you are. You have to, you know, just because some folks know you back here in Rochester or Buffalo, um, you got to earn everything out there. Yeah. No one owes you anything. And I think that's that's a big part of it. But uh, yeah, just budgeting, you know, thinking about the fact that everybody's going to need to eat, everybody's going to need to sleep, you know, you're going to have you know, gas costs. Uh, right now, we're not doing as extensive touring because touring is a little bit more expensive. We're doing shorter runs, stuff that's a little bit more manageable right now. It's more targeted. Um, at first, it was a little bit more Wild West, you know, um, and, and I think, you know, there's a time for that. But, uh, um, you know, you just, you have to, you have to plan for that you have to know what you're able to lose hmm. you know what can you lose on the road money wise yeah. you know what what are you willing to you know if you got a vehicle that's gonna make it because if not you're gonna put some money into that side yeah. on the road yeah. um so things like that um but you know take in the sights man the, i mean i think for me the best part of touring is that hum of the road that's coming to someplace new it's uh you know uh you know sitting down and eating whatever is like amazing in that area waffle house 
right? You gotta do. You gotta do. You gotta do it. It's gotta happen. Yeah, we. Yeah, we have we have some good we have some good Waffle House stories. Yeah, I think everyone. Well, good and bad, probably. Uh, well, yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, at entertaining. So you get let's, the dichotomy let's, of let's, let's say entertaining okay. stories. <laughs> right. Waffle House. What's what's your favorite Waffle House uh, uh, food item? Would you say? Oh. and for those in the in the Northeast, it's it's a little bit difficult because it's not too Real. many up here. They're yeah. starting to like creep up though. I don't know if you noticed that well, as listen, you drive on on some of the. I think they self replicate. You know the th- <laughs> oh, do they? they they're like a aphrodetic, uh, yeah, like one of those um, those snakes when you cut them in half. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just, now there's they two just of them. Keep, yeah, I think they're <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, no, I when I'm there, I just I go for that traditional, you know, eggs and 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 waffle combo slam thing, whatever they well, call what it. it. This, these are this is pro information you're hearing from from a couple of touring musicians. So what what do you put in your waffles? I like oh, I like a little a little maybe some cinnamon. Chips oh, you kind of deal. Oh, you go. Yeah, little, you go in. Yeah, just you go a in. I, I just usually, I just straight up. You oh, know? just straight yeah. waffle I mean, syrup. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I, to I'm, make them get a little creative too. No, I, that's smart. I'll, that's smart. I, I haven't chef it up. You know? I think the the folks that I've had making my stuff, I don't know that I'd want to put that extra burden <laughs> on them. But um, <laughs> you know, you get that eggs. That's right. That's a, those, I like the way you phrase that too. Get, get the eggs put going. That extra burden with on it them. and uh, <laughs> some tea. I'm I'm good. So yeah. yeah, that's all I need is a little, so, little waffle and syrup. So that in my leads life. me to um because, because those those ordinary uh things like the waffle house and, and what have you. Um when when it comes to writing songs, some sometimes people write them about um, you know, the mundane things in their lives and I and I think I watched something from, from Taylor Swift today earlier. I don't know how that came up, but something from Taylor Swift. Um and she had written some song. She was listening to some guy on the phone with his girlfriend uh, on the other side of the room. And his girlfriend was yelling at him on the phone. And she said she could hear him or hear her yelling at him through the phone. And then after he had gotten off the phone, because he had called something about he hadn't called her in 10 minutes. He had called her in 15, so she was mm. angry about the fact that he had called in 15 versus 10. What and then she wrote, I guess, the first first <laughs> couple of lines of a song or whatever from that. It was like this inspiration that, I don't know, the Taylor Swift song gotcha. itself. But she said the line in the song that she had written. So when you come up with a song, how does that typically mm. happen? I mean, is it something where you sit down and you say, I'm going to write something now because we've got an album? Or does it typically just kind of come out of somewhere? I usually never, I, I can't think of a time that I've sat down to write something um, where I get the majority of my ideas um, either uh, lyrically or groove or, you know, chord progression idea or whatever is when I'm uh, driving. Hmm. And there's something about the road that's very, I, know I usually don't have music on and, um, and I'm just kind of letting stuff come in from the ethos in, you know, and it might be inspired by, you know, I might see us, you know, you don't always know our subconscious is always working. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I might have seen something or there might've been something uh, stewing back there that the road just kind of, it, 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 you know, there's a Zen moment where that's allowed to come to the front, you know, um, and, uh, and so I don't, I don't know sometimes, but sometimes I hear um, a conversation or a thought, and uh, um, I can, um, I can, if if there's some sort of inspiration, I can put myself. Probably the closest thing that I can say to intentional songwriting 
is I, uh, I won't necessarily think about writing a song, but I'll think about an experience. Like uh, there's a tune called Juke Jivet that's on Rise. And Juke Jivet was written when I was on the 33 on my way down to uh, the Tudor Lounge to play with the Willie Hat at the band. And they would have you know, uh, a guest artist every once in a while. And I was on my way and, I'm, and, and when I first wrote it, I'm like, oh, I'm back with Willie and the band. Back with Willie and the band. And I'll, I had a groove and I started writing that. Head downtown, my lady and me. Right? Are you writing it on your guitar? You're kind of just no, singing I'm driving. melody. And- I'm like driving and as it's coming to me, I've got my phone and I'm putting stuff in. And when I get there, I got a couple verses and a chorus. And I'm like, hey guys, I got this idea. You want to do it? You know? And they're like, sure. And I said, it's pretty easy. I can show and I said, but let me go out for the second break and write a couple more verses. So now the whole thing's flowing, right? So now it, it's it's not you know it's not hard to get back in that space, you know, and finish up a couple things. And that's actually how the song was originally written. And then I rewrote it um, after that night called "Juke Jiving" with the band. So it was it didn't matter. You know, it wasn't so does that band. is that like a typical? way that you write like you kind of come Pretty up with the melody first or um it can be it doesn't uh sometimes it's a lyrical idea um you know a phrase um a thought and then um and then i'm as i'm repeating the thought you know a melody comes to it or a groove comes to it um i'd say probably more often than not uh they come together in a weird way and you're, you're probably I, I think you're going to relate to this because i've talked to tons of songwriters and it's yeah. they, they always have this but you get this idea and sometimes you use like dummy lyrics, yeah, fake yeah, lyrics. You just start mumbling. You're stuff. mumbling stuff. You're yeah. saying stuff, <laughs> and then you'll say something. And when you're working it out, you're like, "That's supposed to be there." And sometimes you're trying to then figure out what the fuck this song's about. Yeah, um, that happened to us. We were actually driving through the hills of Pennsylvania, and uh, Laura was asleep and. And I was coming up over the hills. We were going into West Virginia. And, you know, you're up and there's nothing, right? Yeah. You're up in the mountains and there's nothing. And I got this this little, Sally's got a bullet in her pocket. Where did she go and get that from? Huh. And I'm like, who the fuck is Sally? <laughs> and why does she have this bullet? That's right. That is a question I'm asking myself as you said that line, is where the hell did this bullet what come is, from, Sally? Right. And so then I'm, then I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> like the, writing the song is discovering the story. Hmm. It's like I'm trying to like do an archaeological dig of some sort or historical. That's so deep that, dive. You know? I just I just made eye contact with with Thalia over there because I said I think on this it was on the second episode or or with Nate uh, I was talking about like where and and that's generally a question I I ask songwriters to like where do you think it comes from because mm-hmm. um, it's almost like. And I said this, it's almost like you're remembering it or you're like, you're trying to document it versus it versus you writing it. Like I'll write a song sometimes, all the lyrics and at the end of writing it and all the lyrics and everything, I'm like, I don't know what this means. But then like four or five months later, I'll listen to the song. I'm like, oh. That's that's what like it it seems to be coming from somewhere that's um Well so I don't know how heavy we want to get, but I, I do Very think heavy, I, I think David. I think that there's I mean, listen, we're all connect <laughs> we're we're all connected at that plank level. And I am I do not subscribe to um uh a religion anymore, even though I grew up as a Christian, I pretty much uh see myself as, as an agnostic atheist kind of dude. 
And uh, But that doesn't mean that I don't think that there aren't mysteries. And I don't think that there's things that we can't explain yet. And there's certainly cellular memory. There's a memory inside of humanity uh, that's, I think, related to this collective consciousness. Um, some of that is, again, your subconscious that's that's hearing things and picking up on stories and, and, and stuff's running around, but it's not in the forefront of your mind. And that bounces around back there and comes out, you know, and, and it feels like a strange thought, but it's really not. You know, it's just a hidden thought, you know. It was something that was back in there that took a while to... Um, produce uh, an articulate expression hmm. that your conscious self could recognize. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, you know, we're definitely part of a greater story. And I think, um, you know, there's certain things that we write about that are certainly, you know, we don't have to be too crazy about it. We're talking about humanity. I mean, we've all experienced loss in different ways. We've all ex experienced being hurt. We've all experienced as being, you know, having that joyful moment or a reunion of a moment. You know, we've, we've shared these common things that we can talk about and they feel uh, real because, you know, we've all been there in some way, shape, or form, right? But then there's times where you, you know, I've had people come up to me and go, that was me. Hmm. So it's it's something deeper. It's not, they're not just connecting with a superficial experience. They connected to something in there, and, and maybe you didn't even mean it when you wrote it, because I've had that happen yeah. a couple times. But they found something in there that really, when you looked at it from their eyes, it seemed prophetic. Hmm. You know what I mean? It seemed beyond, you know, what it seemed like maybe what somebody sitting over a table with a glass ball might be able to tell them, yeah. you know? But um, I think a lot of that comes out of that that deep, you know, collective consciousness. Yeah, and I think that um, that can be, uh, like, with, with the Beatles and the, the bands back then, I think that's why you had so many people, um, or no, I guess not so many people, but the occasional psychopath too that was like that literally like what you just said that's me he's singing about me he wrote that song about me uh, uh and that worries me sometimes well, we, too. Bring, we bring we bring all our baggage <laughs> not to, that i'm comparing myself to you know or, or you to the beatles or any or john lennon's song we're whatever, all songwriters but, yeah we're all songwriters uh, but it that, it's it's pretty uh that is hilarious is that john lennon that trying was to, trying to talk i'm sorry john i'm sorry I don't know if that got it caught does. on camera, but but the top just popped off of that, uh, yeah. that can there. Um, so, but so you usually come with kind of some sort of a melody or some sort of a a uh, an idea yeah. for the 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 yeah. song, a vibe, a feel, a theme. Do you, do you when you start to write? Because um, I've noticed myself kind of doing this more and more now. Um, make it like make a conscious attempt to make it almost more vague sometimes. Like sometimes I'll write and I have a very specific experience I'm thinking about while I'm writing, but I'll try to make it more vague so that it, it can hit more people, so to speak. And I don't do that mm -hmm. often because most of the songs that I write um, that I feel are, are really good um, tend to just kind of come out of me. Mm -hmm. I don't right. have a say in it. It just happens. I, I um, feel but, that. <laughs> yeah. I feel but the occasional song I'll write and I'll, I'll it'll be about a particular experience and I try and leave out the spe specifics of it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if other songwriters do that too. Uh, I'll try and purposely, you know, like change the names of the, the innocent or whatever it's... Well, I, what's the... I think probably yes. I probably tried to change the names a little bit, but... That's um, right, the names and the faces yeah. have been changed for their... 
Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know that I, I think sometimes I'm trying to word it. So for me, I guess my sweet spot on a song is fresh but familiar. I want something that sounds new, even though it's not new, because listen, you know, there's only so many chords put together so many times, or as you two said, all the books, uh, there's no new books in the house, and or no, 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 there's no new ideas in the house, and all the books have been read, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that, I, I try to, uh, you know, instead of saying, you know, um, your eyes shine, you know, or something, that just seems like, that's been said like a bazillion times, yeah. I'll try to word it in a, a different way, you know, I'll try to say, well, how else could I, you know... You know, I will um, say that that's bullshit too. The U two uh, thing about about every song is. I don't think that that's true. I oh. think that even U two now is in what is it, in Las Vegas that giant dome thing yeah. that exists. Sure. Like holy shit! I don't know if you you've seen like yeah, them saw the cha- videos of like it. of them playing in there. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking new. I mean, that's well, it's I, a new experience for sure. But they're playing the same old songs in there. That's you know that what is I mean. True. It's just yeah, like putting the, putting the library <laughs> in a bigger you know uh, in a bigger um, cool building. You know? So. Uh, one of the things that I've always wanted to do, and, and there's one here in town, but it, it costs quite a bit of money to, to, to rent it, but I wanted to put on a show in the planetarium. Here. Oh, wow. And you can do that, right? And not only can you do that, you can uh, have them design a show, like a star thing and, and video thing, specifically for that um that's experience and then cool. and then put on a show there but it's it's kind of expensive and the cheaper kind of times to rent like like expensive to the point of like you're gonna have to charge like oh sure you know a few hundred yeah. dollars a ticket or no, something gotcha. to yeah. make it worthwhile um but i've i've almost wanted to do it and lose money on it just because it would be such a cool thing yeah. to do which kind of reminds me of that that big yeah, dome, dome thing that that you two is doing you know um but i think Famous. that like 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 Einstein, right? Everyone thought, okay, we know, we kind of know all the ideas that have, uh, that are there, and then all of a sudden Einstein pops up and and uh, things change, right? Oh, so sure. maybe there are, there are things out there, songs that haven't been written or chord progressions that haven't been done yet and haven't been, you know. Yeah, well, and I it mean, just takes a David Miller to pull oh, them out of the yeah. out of the ether and and bring them onto uh, the songwriter's couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> That's right. So, um, I guess from a from a a, a seasoned songwriter, seasoned album maker, um, you know, you've probably been in the studio a whole bunch of times. Um, I think that you could probably, or you you'd be one of the better people to to speak about. I guess kind of studio etiquette, um, recording stuff. Like like, what are your 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 um, uh, not suggestions, but like, uh, like if someone was going into the studio for the first time, they've written a song, gotcha. they want to want to do something. I mean, tips or 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 uh, you well, know, th- things they should know before they get into the studio. You know, I think you know generally the more prepared you can be going into the studio is is always good. Even if you abandon the plan, you have a plan. You know, you you know that you rehearsed. Um, if you're not just going in there, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I, I mean, I think it's also a legitimate. Uh, session to go in with nothing and come mm-hmm. up with something. I mean, but that's your plan. And know that it's going to be loose. Know that you're going to put more money into it. You're probably not going to get as much done, you know, in yeah. terms of output. But you don't know, you know. But 
But I think in general, for most people, like you said, you know, you have a song, you're going to the studio, be prepared, you know, go in, be rehearsed, be ready to go and, uh, and work with your engineer. Cause these guys have done this, you know, we we're talking about Brian, uh, Brian to me is almost like a co-producer on every record. Yeah. You know, he's definitely going to have credits on this one because of all the advice that he's given me along the way. I mean, to have those, to trust those guys to be able to, um, you know, just really guide you. They've, they've been, they've been doing this with a lot of folk. Yeah. That, you know, you, you give them that courtesy and that respect, they're going to help you. Do you generally go in and record full band? Like um, at one, like, I mean, playing it live kind of like back in the day, or do you generally go in like track drums, track individual? I, tr I try to track the rhythm section along with, you know, um, you know, guitar and, and vocal as guide to get the feel. So we get the foundational feel right. Um, that's how we did this record. I went and pre-produced everything. So I even, I even tracked fake drums and everything to get arrangements all kind of set up. But when we actually went to track stuff, um, you know, we were doing basically bass, and scratch keys, drums, scratch guitar, scratch vocal, and now, and then you go back and and then you go back and start to, yeah and start to play over the top, you know, with, with whatever and work on you know arranging some of that other click other track parts. or no click track. Uh, we use the click. We absolutely use the click. Yeah, um, I feel like nowadays you can't you can't not. not yeah, use the click, right? well, especially with working the way that we did. If we were working just together. Um, you know, in, in a room that we could all be playing together, we might not always have to use a click for that. But when you want to do overdubs and stuff like that, yeah. and the way that we were working, where, you know, I would bring the horns in two months after we had, you know, done yeah. the rhythm tracks, it just made life a lot easier. Um, but, you know, we messed with that too. We, we messed with the click so that, you know, we pushed and pulled and made it feel huh. more live, you know, uh, where it made sense, you know. Um, so let's do this. We're going to go ahead and, and move into you playing something. Oh, okay. But before we do that, okay. I want you to give a bunch of shameless plugs to all the stuff uh, that you need to give shameless plugs oh, to. Yeah. Shows coming up. So this won't be released until next Monday, so just keep that in mind if you're going to plug a show that's, that's upcoming in the next week. Um, I, feel, I, feel like, uh, I feel like I should have had the hottest wing right now. <laughs> right? If you all know. <laughs> What I'm talking for, about. Uh, yeah, for, what is that show called? Hot Ones? Is Hot that what ones. you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. So I've done that uh, with a bunch of friends. Have you guys ever done that? Like ha had that challenge no. at home? No. So I have uh, I have a bunch of hot sauces. One of them is uh, Buncee's, oh, what is it called? Debom. Yeah, Debom. Oh, it's awful. Oh, yeah. It tastes uh, terrible. Yeah, no doubt. Terrible. No um, doubt. It's not not a good hot sauce. Gotcha. But but that I could see why people struggle with it. It's like this. It's like drinking the extract, like just the egg. It's just no pure. flavor to it. Oh. It's just awful yeah. heat or whatever. That sounds like a but, yeah. terrible. But anyway, so, so plug, plug. Plugs. Plug. Yeah. So but. probably probably the two big things that I want to plug <laughs> is uh, November 4th. We're going to be at Fanatics Pub down in Lima with the full band. We're going to have a, a killer time there. It's a, it's a great room if, if you've never been down there before. Uh, um, the place just keeps growing. They just added an outdoor stage. Um, and then on the 10th, on Veterans Day, we are going to be at Sticky Lips. Never played Sticky Lips before, but we're going to have the band there, full, full five-piece band as well. So those are kind of two shows that you can kind of come and – oops, sorry. Yeah. You can kind of come and see – <laughs> the, the one with the red light on it. There you go. 
Oh, that one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> see, I don't do TV. I don't know this shit. Um, but yeah, come out and see us November 4th, Fanatics, and uh, the 10th at Sticky Lips out in, in Rochester. In Henrietta, right? In Henrietta. Sticky, Sticky Lips yeah, in that, Henrietta. Yeah, that stage is really cool. I've played there. I don't know about the sound system, because last time I played there, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to have the sound guy there. You just do your own sound. So I had to bring my own like sound system. And I'm like, but you have a great PA there and right. all that? Like, right. All right. right. But this is, a, this is a long time ago. Yeah. Um, the venue's cool. It's a little weird because of the way that the audience is situated. Yeah, I know. Like, there's tables that... The chairs are facing each other. Yeah, it's like a weird way to like have a crowd in the audience. Yeah, but anyway, we're talking very, very local. Uh, yeah, <laughs> local here. So let's let's do this. Is this an, uh, the song that you're going to play here? Is this going to be something off of the new album? This is a song that I'm gonna. I'm working on a, a solo uh, uh, series uh, that I think are going to be like six songs each or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've got about thirty songs that are in various states of finished for that. This is one uh, that I'm going to be adding to that because, uh, you know, you talk about how things uh, inspire a song. We had some really, really close friends who lost uh, their oldest son, and uh, he was only 34 uh, when he passed, and he passed very suddenly. Uh, cancer took him quick. And, uh, and I was thinking about them, and I was thinking, man, what do I want to say to my kids? You know, I got two boys, <laughs> and, uh, and I started writing the song of, like, all this you know, father advice I want to take. And then I thought, this is just lame and stupid and <laughs> terrible. And uh, and I thought, man, all Very I just... Very cats in the cradle. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, all I really want to do is I just want to tell them I love them. I just want to tell them that they mean the world to me. That's really all I want to say. And how can I say that? And, uh, and this song came out. It's called Words and Notes and Strings. I hope that I go away ahead of you It's selfish just to think it, but I do. A parent shouldn't bury in the ground. A song that haunts, keep on sticking round. You're my sweetest sound. All I have is words and notes and strings. Haven't built a treasure room with chests of shiny things. Oh, you're my heartbeat rhythm. You're the melody I sing. You're my words, my notes, my strength. I hope I live to see your life unfold. There's no telling what tomorrow holds I only pray to any God who hears Long after I'm gone, you'll still be here Sweet music to my ears All I have is words and notes and strains haven't built a treasure room chests of shiny things Oh, you're my heartbeat rhythm You're the melody I sing You're my words, my notes, my strength Oh, you're my words, my notes, my strength I haven't built a treasure room 
just some shiny things You're my heartbeat rhythm You're the melody I sing You're my words, my notes My strength Thank you, Cleveland. <laughs> David Miller, everybody. David Miller. So what was the name of that song again? One more time. Words and Notes and Strings. Words and Notes and Strings. And I'll tell you what, we haven't even, we've gotten a, an hour, and I haven't been, been able to even uh, pick the surface of what I'd like to talk to you about. So maybe we can, we can schedule another, uh, another one of these uh, well, yeah, as long as you're after keep the album's done and, and you want to liquor. And stuff oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, again, that's a good that's a good uh, a good uh, transition there. David, David's been schooled in the in the media. So um, thank you again to our sponsors, Seed and Stone and, and uh, Lucky Buzz Meadery here. They they gave us these cool glasses and the, the creamsicle. Uh, uh, we'll have to we'll have to see if we can get three chord bourbon to give you a little well, bit. Yeah, yeah, I think they, that, that they would sponsor be, me. Maybe we can get them involved in this. I, I have drank their bourbon and I I find it delicious. So all right, well we'll um, talk about that. And too. I I do like my whiskeys and my bourbon. All right, so. all right. <laughs> and I and I've played in Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, of all <laughs> oh, places. Oh, yeah. what a what a lovely town! I love I love Bowling Green, Kentucky. Have you been there? I've Bowling been through Green? it, but I haven't right, been. Yeah, there. that that's a lot of people. I think I'm not going to talk to. <laughs> but it's a great, great town. Good, good music town. I love Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, but David Miller, thank you so much. Let's let's give one more um, one more plug here. Where can we find your music? I yeah, guess. you can uh, you can see Miller and the uh, Miller and the Other Sinners dot com. Uh, also, Facebook dot com slash Miller and the Other Sinners. Instagram dot com slash Miller and the Other Sinners. And uh, yeah, that's the, check us out. Follow us. Beautiful. So hey, everyone watching, listening. Uh, like, subscribe to thing, comment down below. Uh, best way you can support us is that. But also, we have like a, a patron uh, program. So if you want to, you know, give us a little money every month, you can do that as well. And if you get your sponsor out there and you wanna, you wanna sponsor the podcast, we're, we're still looking for you guys. So we've got another sponsor that's kind of semi lined up. So we'll be announcing that maybe in the next month or so. So we'll see. And. Lots of exciting actual guests coming up too. I know David is the the pinnacle of uh, of our guests um, here that's, so far, and, and super <laughs> superstar here on the. Got up your budget. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, don't put yourself, don't put oh, yourself well, down. You don't, know. don't self-deprecate, David. You're, no. you're a rock star it's here a on the couch. So, um, I appreciate having you on, man. Again, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to everyone that that watches and listens and 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 does that. Uh, and if you have anyone that's a songwriter that that um, you feel should be on the show, please let us know that, David. I'll reach over in this awkward, uh, <laughs> awkward way that uh, being on on camera and having microphones shoved in your face is. I really appreciate it, and thank you for hanging here. I know you guys got dinner coming well, up here. Where are you guys going? Anywhere good? I don't know where we're going. Somewhere delicious. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Steaks or something, or I don't pizza. Know. Or, that all sounds uh, good. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, but thank you again for being on the show. Uh, keep an eye out for David Miller if he's in your town. Uh, go out and see him because I can guarantee it'll be a good time and. Um, Stay safe out there.